Hello and welcome to another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you for listening to what should be a very, very interesting episode today. I'm going to talk to Nicole Folia, who is the director of new media at Unmute. It's an app, it's a new rising app that allows users to record live phone calls. That's a very basic description. I'm going to let Nicole explain it in greater detail. Believe me, you're going to want to keep an eye on this app. It's fast growing. It's based out here in Venice, California. Very interesting one there. And her life story, which is one of the more fascinating ones that I heard, she graduated high school at 16 in the Big Bear area, a resort town outside of Los Angeles, stops at Loyola, NYU, and USC, getting a master's degree, working in a variety of industries, NFL Network, where we got to know each other in the programming department there. She'll talk about being a woman in a predominantly male-driven industry at the NFL. She worked at E-Network, NBC Universal, and some other stops, including a PR stop along the way. She'll talk about what it took to get to where she is, her love for journalism, and where she kind of sees herself going and how everything seems to come full circle in this industry. It's a very fascinating discussion. Nicole Folia, Money Mitch Effect. This is episode 61. Let's do it. All right, now joining us on the line on the Money Mitch Effect, good friend of mine. She's now the new technology director at Unmute, one of the best new technological apps out there. Nicole Falia, thanks for joining the show. Hi, Mitch. How are you? I'm doing well. We uh, we've been trying to. I've been trying to get you on this show for a while. I'm glad it could finally happen. We know each other dating back to our time at the NFL Network, which is kind of a running gag on this show. A lot of the people that I met there, a lot of the talented people I've met are from that realm. And I'll start with this, Nicole. You were one of the more, and I mean this in the most positive ways possible, one of the more, more <laughs> unique people that I came in contact there. I knew that a lot of people in the sports industry had similar perspectives, but I think it's safe to say that yours was a little different than what most people were used to. Why, thank you. I take that as a compliment for sure. <laughs> I think that working there was so much fun, and I think oftentimes in sports it's easy to cast similar characters, but I always try to look at it in a different way. And I mean that in specific with your ideas. I know there's a lot of people that, that say they have ideas that want to try different things, but one of the things that... I learned quickly about you, and I think it's safe to say a lot of people did, was that you weren't afraid to try different things and really push the envelope, test new boundaries, and try some ideas that ultimately did work out. I mean, they're not always going to succeed, but you had that approach like, let's try something different here, let's change the game, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, that's so sweet of you to say. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of always wanted to think about the bigger thought of what we were always doing, you know, I think working in sports or at NFL, it's easy to just think it's it's four quarters of the game or we're doing football here, but I always am so addicted to the the storytelling aspect of what we're doing when we're producing things, campaigns, marketing, actually editing clips together, it's kind of that bigger story, which is the love of the game and the fans, and it's all about the fans really at the end of the day and why so many millions of people in the world love sports and what that does to them and what it does to a culture 
and I think I was always interested in the the psych of that idea and the sociology of fandom in general. And I think being a female female, I always I always had a strong pull towards female forward ideas for the underserved fans because I think I do think females are underserved in in the sports arena area, just content wise as well. I think if if we really zeroed in on what we're creating for them, it, there's nothing new. There's really nothing that's groundbreaking. So I was just always trying to think about what could we constantly create, you know, in a different way. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's just all about always trying to produce new pieces and and like tilt whatever you're used to looking at and tilt it sideways and think, okay, well, let's just think of it this way. But, you know, it's always easier said than done because there's just so many like-minded people um, that sometimes it's, it's like a difficult task. But I really enjoy, I really enjoy coming up with new ideas. Like that's all, if I could just be like an idea person, like a point person for that, like that would be my dream. But like working with you and all the other guys, like that was some of the most fun times I've had in a long time. There is a lot of trying things out. There are a lot of idea sharing. And I think having someone like yourself and other talented people in that organization to bounce ideas off of from the production side really uh, improved what we were trying to do. And I, and I want to start with where this all began for you, because I know you grew up in, in the Big Bear area of California. And I was always fascinated by that because I never, and I'm sure you get this a lot, but I ne- never met anybody from that area. What was it like growing <laughs> up in a very yeah. small town in such it's a really big, large funny. state? Yeah, a lot of people think that. They're like, oh my God, you're from Big Bear. <laughs> and that's funny. I don't think I've ever met anybody from Big Bear. Um, and it's boating in the summer and hiking and camping and mountain biking and fishing and boating and like 
the stars are amazing to just stargaze. There's just like the silence is so great. Probably a little different than now, right? With the oh my god, <laughs> yeah. Los Angeles. I worked so hard to leave that town. I left when I was 16. I graduated high school two years early oh. because I was so unhappy in that small town. And I think my parents used to think I was just like had a bad case of teen angst, which I did. But I was just very, very over it. And I always used to dream of Los Angeles and like the big city and moving and having these like dreams of, of grander things. And they were just like, well, hun, you know, everyone hates high school, get over it. But I was like, no, actually, I'm going to not get over it. I'm going to leave. And they're like, no, you're, you know, you're crazy. We're not moving. Let's just deal. But I did college. I would do AP courses during the day, like all the hardest stuff during the day. Then at night, I did college courses online. At the time, it was kind of, this is when um, online schools were kind of like becoming the thing. Like now they're very common, but I don't know, eight years ago or so, it was pretty new to be like mixing around credits like that digitally versus physically in class. So yeah, basically the heist was if you did a four month college course online or a three month college course online, whatever it might've been, it would count for an entire year of high school credit. So not a lot of people knew that, but in like, I don't know it. It's just I studied. I started when I was a freshman or sophomore studying how in the heck am I going to get out of this town? How do I get out fast? (laughs) So I figured, you know, education, I need to get this thing done. And that was like a really big loophole. And at the time, the deans and the the student, you know, counselors, they didn't even know. They're like, we don't know if this is, we don't know if you're allowed to do this. I'm like, no, you are like Texas. Wow. That's all of it, like call school. So yeah, so I did a lot of that. And then I left. I did one year of summer school, which was really fun because they sent me to like growing up we had this bad school called Chautauqua. And I don't want to call it a bad oh. school. It's just the school where they used to send like, you know, the kids that flunked and like hated school or the kids that needed extra one on one attention or like the pregnant girls <laughs> and it would just send them there. Wow. And so, like, I, like, ended up in that school for one whole summer, and it actually was the best experience of my life. It was so much fun. Everyone in the class was a riot. Like, the teacher was amazing. He had so much life in him. The kids loved him so much. And, you know, it's just memories like that that I, now I look back and I'm like, God, I was so young. I was rushing so hard to, like, speed up my life. And I kind of wish I hadn't. I mean, I graduated at 16. I was done with college by the time I was 20. And done with my master's by the time I was 22. So it was just, it was a fast track. And Uh I think when you're young, you don't realize the decisions that you're making affect everything, you know? Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, that you have this perspective now. A lot of kids probably wish they could become a grown-up right away. But over time, it, it kind of dissipates, and you look back, and you appreciate the things that you might have taken for granted. I did have two small questions for you. Uh, just out of curiosity, how, how big was your graduating class in high school? I think we had 
Okay, so that's not that's not that that's not that tiny. It's I mean, yeah, that's not yeah. that bad, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you got a normal school experience. I, you know, it wasn't wasn't as outrageous. And the the other thing that I wanted to ask you was there any like I guess I don't want to say nickname, but was there a way you looked at tourists when they would come in? Because obviously Big Bear is a place where a lot of people come to visit. You being a local there, was there a, a negative connotation with? these tourists coming in during ski season or, or something oh like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we used to call them Flatlanders. I knew there was a nickname. Uh, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, we call them Flatlanders because none of them, none of them, like, knew what they were doing driving in the mountains, especially in the snow. And when you grow up skiing like that, we weren't, like, my friend group's, like, as kids growing up, it wasn't kind of like, oh, we kind of casually seen snowboard. That was like a life, mm-hmm. you know. So we were really good. And I had friends that were on the race team and D team, and, like, they were downhill racers. I mean, like, people were really talented on skis and snowboards. And, like, the dream was, like, growing up, being talented enough to get sponsored by a brand and then going pro and a lot of the kids dream that big dream but then you have all these like quote unquote flatlanders like up on the mountain you know acting a fool a lot of them drink so much bonsai down the hill it's quite dangerous but you know it's just part of living in a resort area because at the same time you really love the tourists because when they're there it means that your city's doing well and mm-hmm. they're bringing money to the town. But the inconvenience of them being there is, like, is horrible. You're talking about a tiny town, like, trying to fit in half of Los Angeles and their brothers coming up the mountain. I mean, even now that I'm going to go home to visit my, my parents, it'll take me, oh, my gosh, on a weekend trip from LA, it'll take me five hours because there's so many people trying to get up there. Wow. But there's so many, so many tourists. I go to Big Bear, but it's great. I'm so glad they love it. Yeah, Flatlanders. That's a that's a moderate nickname. It's not you're not completely ruthless in that uh, regard, but I think it's I think it's fair for sure. As I still chat oh, with yeah. Nicole Philia on the Money Mitch effect. All right, so you mentioned to me, Nicole, that you graduated high school at 16. You had a couple stops on the college front. At what point did you, you know, Loyola, NYU, I think you were there for a little bit, and then USC for your master's. When did that love for, for entertainment, for sports, for, I guess, social media, at what point did you decide that's what you wanted to get into? I think I never wanted, I never had, a, I always had some idea of entertainment. I always wanted to be in entertainment. That's what I wanted to be. And entertainment in the sense of just any any sense of the word entertainment. Like, people think, it's kind of one track, like, oh, you're thinking Hollywood. I wasn't only thinking Hollywood. I was thinking storytelling. You know, I was obsessed with books and movies and television, and that's it. Like, all I would do up in, like, in that small little town, all I would do is read a billion books a year and watch my shows and watch hundreds of movies. And I loved narrative, you know, and I fell in love with writing is what I fell in love with in English and the written word. And so when I went to school, I always wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to work for like Vanity Fair or Harper's Bazaar. And, you know, I grew up reading these prints like Seventeen magazine, which I don't even know if they print it anymore. Um, And 
everything's so digital now, it's, it's just changed. But yeah, I wanted to be a writer, so I went to school, and I studied English, and I just did writing, and I wanted to be a journalist, and that was my dream. So that's how I got to LMU. I did their writing program there. I loved their school. It was beautiful. And their professors were amazing. I was obsessed with, like, 17th century literature and Shakespeare, like, heavy stuff that nowadays I have no one to talk to about because my (laughs) crowd is so different. It's pretty sad. But, yeah, I just wanted to be a writer. And I think quickly after graduating LMU, well, yeah, I I did move to New York. I went to NYU because that was, like, the place for internships. You know, in college I did a bunch of internships, and there was this awesome program NYU was partnered with where you moved there for, like, a summer semester, and you would work all day at your internship, and then you would go to school at night. So it was awesome. It was just, like, this crazy hybrid thing that they were doing, and at the time it was, like, the best experience of my life. Still to this day, I think it was a big growing point. So, yeah, when I was 19, I moved to New York for a summer session. Um, I lived in Union Square, like, on 14th between 3rd and 4th in the NYU apartments with a bunch of other kids in my program. And yeah, so I got this awesome internship at Bullet, um, Bullet Media. It's B-U-L-L-E-T-T. They're so cool. They're like an indie, high fashion, social uh, curator. They're They're just like so interesting. And that was my first time I really... They, they produce these amazing quarterly magazines. So I got to go and, and see, like, how do you take a concept to a creation in four months' time? And that was, like, editorial straight-up print to online. And that's when I realized, okay, writing isn't just writing. It's like, whoa, this is big-time storytelling. And it's just so many themes and narratives. So when I was out there, I booked my gig when I got back to L.A. to work for NBC Universal at the Style Network, which isn't even on air anymore they they uh got rid of it but the style network was really big and so yeah so I started writing like with fashion and entertainment and I was getting little bylines here and there here and there after the style network I went to e-entertainment did the watch with Kristen section so that was all about scripted television so I was covering scripted shows I was doing really fun like red carpet interviews and anything from like transcribing like the editor's pieces to getting to write my own things. It was just such an awesome experience. But at the time, they weren't hiring full-time. And I was about to graduate LMU and get thrown into the real world. And I realized, like, wow, it's really hard to make money being a writer. And I think that's what, like, a lot of kids figure out quickly. Whoever wants to be a writer or a journalist, you realize very fast it's a grind. And you're going to have to freelance and you're going to have to do these pieces and profiles when you can and you know be a contributor do these things but like to actually make a living it's so so difficult so I quickly kind of turned the lens on the way I looked at writing and storytelling and I thought how else do you tell stories now and like everything is so digital and socially impacted through um, all of our social media channels that I was like gosh that's the way the world is going so that's what made me go back to get my master's from USC in digital social media because that's basically business school for 
digital. It's kind of mm-hmm. storytelling on cross platforms and how do you integrate, how do you monetize a brand off social and what does that mean? You know, just because a billion people like a photo you post, does that convert to someone using your product or buying your product or et cetera, et cetera? So it was the study of digital media. And I think USC is actually probably one of the only schools that have that program in the country right now. It's super forward. And I would suggest it for anyone, really. Um, Karen North runs it. She's great. So it was just an awesome experience. So that's kind of how, when I was at USC, gosh, I was working at a PR company after E. That was like my first big gig. And it was a boutique PR firm in Manhattan Beach called Win PR. They did higher education and entertainment lawyers, which was really interesting. So I went from like entertainment, entertainment to like the other side where you're pitching like the Hollywood Reporter for top 40 under 40 to get your lawyers on the list. So I was learning like all these different facets of how the media works in general. And then I was working at that PR firm while I was doing my master's. And then one day they said, hey, 25 of you are going to go to NFL and you're chosen to get an interview. And that was an interview just for an internship at NFL. This was before I met you, Mitch. Um, And yeah, and I was lucky enough to get the spot. They hired five of us for the digital summit that they do annually. The club site team does that. And George Scott at the NFL heads up that team. Um, And he puts on this awesome show every single year where all 32 clubs meet. And we go over like, the digital presence of where the league is at and the teams and it's just a really big coming together every year that they put on and I was lucky enough to assist him for my first internship and that was when they were introducing NFL Now and NFL Now was coming out as this new product that the NFL was releasing and so while I was there George was like Nicole you know what do you want to do for your internship and I was like I don't want an internship. I want a job. Like, I want to be hired here. That's what I want. Um, And he's like, well, there's no positions open. But I kind of paid attention at the time, and they were doing NFL Now. So I I found, like, who in the world is heading up NFL Now? And then I went straight to them, which was Matt Lathrop. And I was like, hey, you know, what, what is what? And, like, I stayed in contact with him, and I was fortunate enough to be able to get a spot on his team. And then him and Henry over there just gave me such an opportunity of a lifetime. I had such a great time on the programming team working with you guys. And that's kind of how my story went full circle. It just was like about learning the different facets of entertainment. I had done written. I did editorial. I learned about print. I learned about online. Then I learned about PR, which is like the other side. How do you get those placements in the media? The only thing that I hadn't really done that really interests me was live and live entertainment like what does that mean you know it's not scripted or programmed so that was kind of like the next step was like wow what is live programming like and sports and especially NFL that's like the most exciting place you could go to learn about something like that so that's how the story kind of mapped itself out which is interesting but yeah I mean I think it turned now that I look back in hindsight it's kind of funny it's kind of funny how it worked out, but it does. It all works out in the end. 
Right. And I think the, the key theme there with you, I mean, you obviously you hustled around, like you worked at a lot of different stops. You didn't, there was a lot of forward thinking. There was a lot of moves that you had to make to advance your career. And I keep going back to your writing background because I remember when I was in college, Nicole, just a little aside, I got a chance to speak with legendary tennis player Billie Jean King. And one of the things she said to me that I always took with me was, if you can write in the entertainment industry, you're fine. And I think looking at your story, yeah. you always had that background of being able to write, being able to attach that to your name that I think I would argue without you know knowing it obviously as much as you have, but it probably helped you along the way at every one of your stops. Right. I mean, writing, I, if I could tell young kids anything, it's, it's learn to read and then love reading. And then if you love reading, you'll want to try it yourself and you'll write. And I think if you have magic of any type of written word, it'll take you really far. Yeah, and it, it obviously did in your case as we as we keep going here with Nicole Filia on the Money Mitch Effect, Director of New Media at Unmute. And Nicole, I, I do want to ask you, just looking at your at your background with entertainment companies, with PR firms, with sports networks, on the outside they look they look very different, but did you notice or did you start to notice some similarities by how they operate from stop to stop that you made in your career? Well, I think the people on the inside, like the characters they cast are a bit different depending whom you're working for, but it's just mega, right? Like when you work for those huge names, they're just big, big, and you feel corporate. You know, you do feel like very, very much a piece of a large, large puzzle. And when you get to work for smaller companies, I think you get that blessing of freedom, right? More creative freedom, I suppose. For sure. But yeah, I mean, NBC Universal is just like mega giant. NFL is super giant. I think when I worked over there and learned like the ins and outs of those types of places, I was younger, but it was super female, super female forward for the networks I was at, and then NFL was super male-dominated. So that was the only big, big difference. And it is, it's a big difference, because the way you work, the way you communicate, everything, the culture, the work environment is different. But I think as long as, as you're aware of the differences, then it won't bother you. You know, if you go into every work situation and think, oh, I'm just going to, you know be me and not like socially adjust to the situation around you, then it's going to be a lot harder. But luckily, I just kind of tried to take them for face value. You know, when you're working with a bunch of women, it is very different than working with a bunch of men. Mm -hmm, And it's just, it really just comes down to communication styles, I think. And how do you get those ideas across? Yeah, and I think you you touched on a good point that Obviously, you have to adjust your, your style, your approach, company size, uh, all the other external values, what have you. But at the end of the day, you can learn from how things work. You can learn from the systems, the, the dealing with people. And I think there are, it's funny, it's from the outside, you wouldn't actually think about it, but an entertainment company and a sports company or even a PR firm have more in common than people you know, might think. When it got to your NFL career, Nicole, when you were working programming for NFL Now, live sports, a lot of quick decisions, I'm sure in your position with programming, it had to be a little stressful at times to be able to have to be able to make those split-second decisions on what to run, on what to promote. 
Was that a challenge? Was that something you didn't really foresee until it was uh, in front of you? Um, it was just, it was so different. It was just like such a great experience. I learned so much on the fly, right? I mean, I think to work, to work there and work in sports, sure, you have to have a lot of, a lot of knowledge about football in general and what you're programming. But it's also, there were times when, you know, you'd be like, well, no, I want this, I want this, like, in, oh, I know. <laughs> in, you know, position number one, right? Like, I want to show this, I want to highlight this, and that was not the right piece to highlight at the time, right? So, or there's different decisions behind why you want to push something else, and that's kind of where the PR background in me kind of helped because, you know, there might be a piece that they're going to run on the network in the morning or whatever in the afternoon, so it makes sense to on a cross-platform like NFL now, be able to program a piece that would be in support of what we were just doing on network or what was going to happen in the game or post-game or locker room talk or whatever it might be. But it's, yeah, it's very, um, I think you learn about things just being very high stress and very, like, timely, you know, when you're broadcasting live press conferences and all of these things and that if you were to post something and do one thing wrong, it's not like a couple people saying it. It's like a million people yeah. saying it. You know, like that kind of stress. Yeah, it's a big deal. And I think when you're in a programming room and you're working with, I had the pleasure of working with Patrick and Robert and some just awesome guys on Henry's team over there that you really do see what the ramifications could be, right? If you run a title that isn't working or learn about real-time statistics of media and how people are reacting. And you can really see, okay, like, this piece is working in the centerpiece. Like, we should keep it there. Or no, like, this, you know, we gave it this much time, and now we need to take it down. NFL Now was specifically a really cool learning experience because it was all video content, right? So it's all streaming video content. So, and I worked for the clubs, like the 32 accounts. So it was when you take into that idea of like how are you gonna best you know show their best pieces and make these clubs you know give them their best forward-facing brand that's what you're always you know trying to do but yeah but I love that I love when things are like busy and people are talking and things are going on like I thrive I think in that environment when it's quiet and things are boring like yeah I can't stand can't stand that kind of work. It is, it is an adrenaline rush, and it is good for, I would say, like business, entertainment, thrill-seeking uh, pleasure. It's definitely it's worth it when you nail something good, when something is, is done to the best of your ability. I, I'd say there's nothing like it. I, I try to tell that to people all the time. Unless you've worked in live TV in that, in that drama where a mistake could be magnified in front of a million people, especially a mechanism like that, I think it's, it's there's there's no substitute right. for that. But but I do think too, it prepares you better than just about anything. Like having that experience, like speaking for myself, I'm sure you would agree. But it prepares you so much for anything else you're going to do, having been through that and having you know succeeded or shined in that environment. Oh, absolutely. And like, I mean, did you like have a life during that time? Like, no, not really. I mean, I worked six days a week. I was commuting, like, two hours to work, two hours from home. I lived in Pasadena at the time, like, driving in, having traffic both ways. I'd wake up at, like, 6 a.m. if I need to be in earlier, 
it would take me an hour and a half, hour 45 to get to work, and then a horrible time coming home. So, yeah, like, I didn't have much of a social life, and, you know, I'm sure you can agree. It mm-hmm. takes up your entire life. You suffer on the friendship side of things and your social life. But you guys became my friends, right? Like, we all hung out so so much, and you, you hang out even when you work. Like, that's the thing that I loved. I loved the people. And, like, that rush when you're when it's, like, a game day. And, you know, when I was working with the social media team, that was super fun. It's like, okay, you're going to run Instagram. And, like, on my own Instagram, I might post something and, oh, 80 people like it. That's really nice. Like, that's, that's sweet. Okay. But, like, you post from a flagship account like that and you're getting millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people in, in a couple minutes liking something or commenting, you know. It's like a, it, is, it is a rush that you can't really explain. And you do feel kind of like a, a little magician, like, oh, my gosh, look at how cool this is. We are all, like, putting on this show. And there's so many pieces of the puzzle. But, yeah, I mean, one time someone, that's when I kind of realized, like, woo, this is no joke. We were running Instagram, and we were doing the end, um, end game card. So we would Photoshop some cool stuff to, you know, like a, I don't know, a highlight play. We pull a highlighted picture and, you know, it might be like someone spiking a ball on the touchdown, whatever. And then you post the end score and someone had posted, thank God it wasn't me, but someone posted the wrong score. So they mixed it up. Like whatever team won actually lost and the score was wrong oh, no. and like the fans went crazy on the post and they're like blah, blah, blah. like so much hate so much trolling like that's wrong blah, blah, blah. and i just remember everyone screaming like take it down, take it down. and i'm like oh my god this is insane this yeah. vanity well, i love it i love it you know that was so much fun yeah i can tell i guess i'll tell my my story too because i made yeah. i made it's I can live live it down now, uh, obviously, but I did, uh, and that's kind of how we got to know each other. Was one of the things I like to do was just work on funny, funnier, creative videos, and you were the one person right. I could go to, and you'd always hear me out, you know. And it's a lot of, a lot of people either weren't interested or, or obviously understand that we still had stuff to do, but you'd always hear me out on whatever wacky, crazy idea that I had, and I'm sure some of them were just were just awful, but, <laughs> but. I had one on like a sack dance video, and we put this video together. I worked with some graphic people. We made it out to look pretty good, and I had a typo on one of the names. It was like a letter, and sure enough, like all 99% comments were great. Everything was fine, and then that that it got to that player, and he tweeted back the NFL, and then so yeah, there was, we fixed it. I ended up sending a personal message to the guy saying I was sorry that I was a big fan. I. I Pretty much BS there. I didn't really know too much about who he was, but he was right. uh, under. He was under. He was understandable. He said, "Don't he worry about up it." His name, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I felt terrible. It was like one letter in his name, and and it uh, came back to him. But that is the power of it, you know. Think about all the posts that people make on their private accounts that will never get seen for years. You know, you post something within seconds on that NFL account, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, a bunch of rabid fan bases are gonna see it. Yeah, it's really fun, and, like, I think when any anytime there's a big mess up like that, you know, of course, in the time, you're like, oh, my God, I'm the, 
you know, I did such a night, this is a nightmare, but it's just such a learning experience, mm-hmm. and sometimes looking back, it's even funny, because you look at yourself and you think, oh my God, when I, like, in that moment, the, the vibe that you felt was so heavy, but yeah, it's just, it's just great, it's a great environment. And some of the stuff I know, Nicole, you worked on there, definitely female-driven, a, a different type of perspective. But I remember thinking, I just remember thinking about some of the stuff that came out, like, oh, I never thought of that. That's that's definitely different. That's something to see. I know there were some products that were geared towards women that you were a, a big part of. And the other thing I remember was the uh, tutorial on uh, getting you know women getting dressed up on game day. I thought that was very interesting as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, at the time, signed that deal with YouTube to do YouTube channel, and they were doing rights to YouTube, and they were going to do original programming for YouTube, and all this kind of stuff, and now, it, like, it was makeup tutorials. So many girls were doing makeup tutorials, and so I was always obsessed with, like, you know, if we want to reach the fans, we got to know exactly what they're doing. So I was always Googling and figuring out, like, what are what are the female fans really up to on their own time? And there were tons of girls in their bedrooms in Ohio and wherever else just doing personal makeup tutorials for their, like, game day look, you know, whatever, you know, whatever party they're going to go watch the Patriots play and we're going to the bar on Sunday and I wanted to show you this. Patriots look or whatever and they would do a tutorial and I thought like oh my gosh if this is happening and girls are are doing this on a very small small scale we need to be offering this to them on a very big scale in-house you know and we should be doing this we should be producing them and making it a big deal and not only makeup but it's just it's everything it's the clothing it's the it's the NFL shop like every there's just so many categories of things that I think a brand like NFL has their hand in, that it made it so exciting, you know? So it's like when I came up with doing the makeup tutorials, it was kind of, it was kind of a dream, but Carmen Duke, who's really cool, she greenlit the project and she was like, let's, let's try it. You know, we'll do a, we'll do a test. Mm -hmm. We'll test it. And, so then we tested it, and, I mean, that project took two two years to, to do, actually. Wow, two I years. didn't know that. Um, because of, like, some of the domestic violence issues that had happened in football, and CoverGirl was the sponsor that I wanted. Like, we were, like, CoverGirl's a big sponsor for NFL. And so, like, I was like, this is a perfect spot for CoverGirl, you know? So we were just always going back and forth on ideas and creating original programming for these big, these big, um, sponsors. But when I, when I finally got to sell it to CoverGirl, that was probably my biggest accomplishment there was creating that and seeing it through and getting to produce those pieces because it took a long time and it just took so like, that was, it felt like forever. And, you know, when you go into a, a room full of men that, and you say, we're doing makeup tutorials, and it's the NFL, you know, you get a lot of strange looks. Yeah, but <laughs> I, could, I could imagine You that. end up selling the segment, and then it's like, okay, maybe there is a way to make a lot of money and reach 
a fan base in a different way, you know? And that's kind of like what always lit, lit my fire was like, there are so many things to be done. Um, but I think when you're at such a large brand like that, it's very easy to continue to do what you've always done. And that will always be enough. Cause if you're already a billion dollar company, like obviously whatever you're doing is just fine. But I think in a social world that we're living in, like with social media, there's so many other ways to reach different segments of, of audiences. And that's like the magic that content creators can go after now. And that's kind of where, where my thought process always is. Right. And it just shows you how big the business of football is. It's more than just the actual game on the field, how it's been growing and how so many different demographics not just gender-specific, but age-wise, too. There's never been a time where football has been has been growing at the growth that it has as a, a fan base, too. I mean, the Super Bowl illustrates that. But I, I was just always, I mean, I'm always impressed when people try to spread their wings creatively. And I, and I know I told you this at the time, but the, uh, the female, like, poncho idea, you guys came out with that, like, right after I'd finished my Christmas shopping. I was a little upset with that. I had a couple female family members in mind. That I was, that was oh, kidding. the fashion yeah. gift? Yeah, so, I was yeah. so close. I'm like, oh, man, those I just really got cool. Yeah. Yeah, that, I love that you love that. Yeah, those were fashion gifts that was made for, instead of selling, like, a regular static ad for NFL shop, we were doing, like, really fun movement pieces where the, the clothing would magically appear and appear and appear, and every movement that the model made would have a different piece of clothing on them it was really fun to create that but yeah I love the ponchos gosh some of the things in NFL shop are really fun and none of that could right none of that stuff can happen unless you have a really cool team of people and that was just it I had bosses that were extremely extremely kind and always you know let me do that right because they could have easily said you're hired for X and you're going to do X and then you're going to go home. Mm-hmm. But Matt and Henry were always so open to hearing my crazy ideas, like you said, you know, that I think that's where the difference lies in a big environment like that. It lies in the people and the hearts and the people that you're working with and who you're investing your time in and where you don't look at it as just a job. You look at it as a career and like, where are you going? You know, you don't want to just go to work every day and think, well, this is just my nine to five. You know, it's not your nine to five. It's like every single day we're working towards something else in the future. And what does that future look like to you? You know, and that's what I always, that's what keeps me motivated, I guess. Yeah, well, it's, it's so true. It's always, we talked about forward thinking earlier, but this climate, especially with sports media and the coverage and and just how it, how the operating systems around it work, it's always changing. And I think looking forward is just the best attitude, the best mindset to have. As I continue chatting with Nicole Folea on the Money Mitch Effect. Nicole, I want to ask you about your current position at Unmute. I'm always interested when I hear about these new technological apps. I like to give them a, a chance. And I'm going to be completely honest. I, I'm intrigued. I don't... I don't know a whole lot about the, the company, but the theory, opening the lines of communication, getting people to talk again, I, I think that works. I think that could work, and I'm interested to see and hear how you explain how you think that is going to be the case. Yeah. I mean, I, Unmute is 
so fun. It's a startup based out of Venice Beach, California. They saw me through one of our coworkers at NFL. My contract was coming due, and they had offered like a really cool idea. And I was like, wow, this company really has something. So I hadn't yet worked for a startup. And that was like right my next thing to go check off the box. Where I was like, yes, I need to go do this, and I need to learn how it works. So I felt something in my heart to just try it out. And so I'm director of new media currently there. I've been here at Unmute for about a year now. And it's it's a social media telephone app. That's basically what it is. It is a social twist to the traditional phone call. That's what I, that's how I think of it. Where digits are usernames and chat rooms are, are hotlines that you would call, you know, and that's kind of the fun of it. I think what enticed me to to take that job was the fact that no one really talks about the ramifications that social media has been causing for yeah. teens in a negative light, right? So social has such a positive influence on people and the connections that it can make, but it also has very negative consequences in the fact that I truly believe and know that communication on a one-on-one level is declining between teenagers and kids alike. And they don't talk to each other anymore. And the idea that there's a whole generation of kids that are growing up right now that are never going to know what it feels like to get a phone call, that idea kind of scared me. And so when I heard that they were revamping the phone, it excited me because I was like, oh my gosh, this is not just like an app, it's a necessity. And forever people have talked on the phone. I remember growing up And I would sit on the phone, like, on a group call with all my girlfriends, like, for hours, hours on end. And that's all we did. And for some reason, kids nowadays are just so glued to text messaging and all these different little ways to communicate through text and messengers and blah, 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 that their communication skills are lacking. And, like, they're terrified to actually pick up the phone and call somebody. And if someone calls you... You look at the phone and you're like, oh my gosh, why is this person calling? Like, is something wrong? Um, And that's kind of like our instinct now to think that it's almost weird if we get a phone call. And it saddens me, you know. Social and digital has transformed so much in the last, you know, even 10 years. But for some reason, the phone call kind of has slowly become obsolete. And so unmute is revitalizing communication in that aspect. They want to make the phone call cool again. And what does that mean to like bring people together in a more meaningful way and get people talking and actually talking and let's not judge each other and create these awesome platforms based around visualization. Let's create a really cool platform based on communication and then let's see what's going to happen. And that's kind of where, where we are right now. We're revamping that whole idea. We've been on the market for, I think, two years, close to two years now, but I joined I joined a year ago. And then we're actually just about to release, like, the new update, which you should totally look into, Mitch, oh. um, for my shameless plug. Everyone should download on me. Um, it's an iOS app, and... That's kind of what I'm doing there. So we're, I'm just directing all the digital stuff, like the campaigns, how we're going to focus in on user acquisition, growth rate, 
virality of content, stuff like that, um, surrounding this idea of communication and that whole spiel on unmuting the word unmute to silence and then, you know, unsilence. I always think about that idea of like unmute yourself. Like everybody has a story to tell, like what is yours? You know, that's kind of where we're at right now. It's a super fun journey and I'm really excited for the new release of the app to come out because it looks amazing. The logo is getting rebranded. It's just so much fun to work on. It's an exciting time, but it's also like a super different environment, right? Like going from crazy high end, um, very, very large company like NFL to a very, very small under 10 person startup in Venice, you know, in Silicon beach. It's just such a different, it's just a different show, but I really, I really am enjoying the things that I've learned about the startup culture, what it is to take a brand from idea to conception and full market. And, and now really the key at hand is to find a product market fit for that type of app. You know, there's a billion apps out there. Why use this one? And, you know, that's kind of what we're breaking into right now. Yeah, you know, that's always the question. And how can you differentiate yourself, differentiate yourself in the marketplace? And at the risk of, you know, it's funny because like, this might be the moment where I finally realize that I'm, I'm old or I'm getting older. But I was agreeing with everything you said uh, along the way. Like, yeah, kids don't talk anymore. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like an old man now when I say it. But it's so true that that social interaction is is 100% almost driven on social media and messaging. It would be nice to get back to talking uh, on the phone or talking to someone, voice-to-voice communication. What are some other areas that this app can be beneficial? Like, are there jumping off points, things that are you guys are using to... I guess market the beneficial, uh, the beneficiary tendencies of this app. I know people nowadays like to discuss TV shows, sporting events. Is there are there certain themes with this app that you right. kind of use? Right, right, right. Yeah. So we've kind of been testing out in the last year a bunch of different little themes for programming unmuted original content, unmuted hosted shows, which are exactly that. You know, it's like Monday programming for know a football recap and then it's thursday talking about you know abc shows like Grey's anatomy and it's sunday talking about maybe some more football or whatever the programming schedule is throughout the week i think it's that's going to be the the number one thing to figure out is to just create a platform where influencers can come on and people who want to talk have a place to go and do that and like The trick here is that it's not only a conversation between two people, but it could quickly between, you know, become a conversation between 20. All the calls on unmute are broadcasted live. So podcasters are very interested in unmute because it's kind of like a radio show and a podcast and a telephone call all thrown into one. And it's taken away that entire idea of like, hey, guys, I'm calling in on blah, 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 or the 50th caller, we're going to answer your question. Like, anyone that's going to be hosting a show on Unmute will have the most intimate experience possible with their followers and fans instantly because you and I could be doing this podcast essentially on Unmute right now, Mitch, Mm -hmm. and then 
on our device, you see like 30 people listening in or 40 people listening to your call or whatever the number is. And then you you can click to that page. And with just a tap of your finger, you tap on their username, their handle. And then all of a sudden at, you know, Victoria Smith is talking and quote unquote unmuted into the conversation. Wow. So it is in real time. Everything is instant. And it's kind of cut out that middleman of, of how do you contact your fans and followers and how do you, you know, and that's on an influencer side. On a friendship side, it's brilliant because you could get on, start broadcasting a call, and then it alerts all the people in your friend group like, hey, you know, so-and-so's live. You know, Nicole's live, and it alerts you, Mitch, and then it also alerts, you know, John, and it alerts Becky, and it alerts Jennifer, and like all these can all of a sudden jump into the call and then the call that was between two people is you know five or six or your whole family's on the line you know it's Mm. really really fun yeah so there's a lot of different ways you know like that's what's so much fun about the job right now is just hashing out specifically all the ways that you can market a product like this because it's kind of endless I mean I think the thing that I'm actually working up right now in the office just last week I finished it was like a really awesome internship program. I'm going to go after journalism students, which go hand in hand with the idea of broadcast journalism, kids that want to be talking, that have stories to tell, that are already studying the art of conversation and the art of writing and communication. And those are the people that are innately drawn to do something like this or host their own show, host their own podcast, you know, and this is just a platform where they could just do it on and make it so simple. So I kind of really want to go to some journalism schools and get some awesome students on there and have them host some really cool shows. If you're a sports writer and you're writing for the Daily Trojan, like I'd, I'd want you, you know, I'd want you to come and have a, a sports channel on a mute where you're going to talk about USC football every day. And if you're a fashion blogger and you're really good at fashion and you're talking about style, you know, then you're going to have a, a style channel and like everyone's going to listen in on um, you. Maybe you do a post show of the Oscars tonight, right? And you sit there and you're going to talk about what was hot and what was not. There's just so many fun things. And that's kind of what's up the, the alley right now. Well, you know, my ears perked up when you mentioned especially podcasting. I was like a like a attentive dog listening. I was like, oh, this actually applies directly to me. Yeah, and it records everything. Like, so you can you can send out your uh, you'll be able to send out your recording of your show or whatever and share it on your social platform. There's just so many things that are in the lineup to be created and released. Um, coming up here that I'm just really excited. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. And, and just to make this conversation full circle, Nicole, something like a group of friends talking about a football game and you want to just start a call exactly. after a game and then somebody else can come in and, and share their thoughts on why your team won or, or, exactly. or, or in my case lost. Exactly, and the phone and, calls. Yeah. And the phone calls are all done through hashtags. So you could hashtag, you know, the the Steelers and and the Browns, right? And we want to talk about Steelers Browns game on on Thursday night football. And then when I log on, like it's gonna alert my dad because he's in the Steelers Browns channel. You know, he's in our football channel that we all make together. Right. You're right. So, uh, although, why would uh, I do that though? Why? 
I don't want to talk about All my right. team losing again. No, but <laughs> it's true. No, I, I exactly I see what you're saying, and um, I'm I'm really honestly now talking like fascinated. I do I do ask a lot of people about what their what their ideas are, and it's cool for me to learn that. But I, I say this with with all sincerity. This is a very fascinating app that I'm learning. I'm anxious now to learn more about. So you've done a good job, at least oh, on good. one person. I've done a good job, like leading you on to wanting to download the app. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm getting hooked. I don't think I and I don't think I sway easily too. So I think that was uh, good. a good job explaining it. But Nicole Fulia, I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show. The only thing we ever really didn't get along with was your football team, the Steelers. But you know, I was willing to look past that in your case. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, I've been best. That's it. That's all. Oh, gosh, I didn't want to end this interview on a bad note, but you're leaving me almost no choice. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> it's understandable for your case and uh, very, very fortunate for you in your lifetime to have seen multiple championships uh, in the NFL. I can only I can only dream what that's the most. like. Only the most. But, Nicole, thanks again. I think this was good. We, you know, we, had, we went over a lot of different talking points, and then there's definitely more for... A return appearance uh, if you're up for it hopefully by that point unmute is is the hottest app going and you know you guys are offering shares that i can invest in as well <laughs> oh my gosh totally it was so nice talking mitch i just um it was great it was great catching up and um i'm gonna go watch the oscars now yeah oh you Very gotta excited. you gotta get those in and i do want to thank you one last time uh one of the best videos i ever got to work on was a uh, touchdown dance video. I know you know the one because you were very instrumental in getting that online where I think it still lives. So I just wanted to <laughs> just wanted to thank you for all you live on my dancing so dream. Yeah, I never made it in the NFL, but great, I made a dance no, video. No, that was a great video, Mitch. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So the I was edits going were for great. It. The edits were great. Thanks again. It means a lot. And thanks again, Nicole Felia, for coming on the show. Really appreciate you and hope you come back soon. Of course. Okay, you have a good one. Very big thanks to Nicole Felia for coming on the Money Mitch Effect and discussing what she's doing now at Unmute, explaining that app and telling her story. It was very interesting. I wish her nothing but the best. I know she'll hopefully be back again. And uh, yeah, one of those people you just know is going to have a successful career. Whatever she puts her mind to, it usually works out. A couple more episodes this week. At least one we're going to try to shoot for two, but we're going to talk about some hockey trades. Ben Bishop was traded from the Lightning to the Kings that broke before I recorded the interview with Nicole. We got to discuss that. And some NBA news and notes there. The NFL Combine is this week and a college basketball discussion that you're not going to want to miss. There's a lot to take in on the Money Mitch Effect and we're glad. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're making me a part of your sports content. There's a lot of sports content out there. You can be anywhere in the world, as Daisy said, but you're here with me. I appreciate that. That's it for this show. You've been great. Until next time, I am Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Keep watching sports. Keep progressing. That's the main thing in life.